Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Eyes wide shut. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. It was Covent Garden, 1992, and a man sashayed into an exclusive nightclub and performance space called the Groucho Club. A man who seemed like a big deal. So much so that people clamored to talk to him. He never paid a bill. He never signed a check. His VIP treatment got him backstage access, where he told actors Julie Walters and Patricia Hayes he wanted to use them in one of his upcoming films. While he had everyone's attention the moment he walked in the door, he soon had their adoration and respect when he spoke maybe, probably even slurred, the words, I am Stanley Kubrick. But this man wasn't who he said he was, not even close. Yet ironically, his odd persona would bring him closer to the reclusive director than he'd ever thought possible. Today we're talking about the strange life of Alan Conway, better known as the Kubrick Con Man. On July 10, 1934, Eddie Allen Jablowski was born in Whitechapel, London. Later in his life, he would tell his friends he was a Polish Jew who escaped Nazi occupation, but that was far from the reality of his childhood, which was English and, well, fairly normal. Well, normal except for the fact that Jablowski, from an early age, liked to bend the truth. He'd make up falsities about his life, change his name, and more. At age 13, he was arrested for petty theft. In his early teens, Jablowski even changed his name to Alan Kahn. A variation on that, Conway, would eventually be the main alias Jablowski would settle on. And he lived up to his new name by getting into some scrapes with the law. As he got older, the lies parlayed themselves into business ventures, both good and bad. And Jablowski started some small businesses around town. After marrying Eddie Allen Jablowski, now Alan Eddie Conway, moved his wife and young son Martin to South Africa but had to keep coming back to London because his businesses were, annoyingly, always getting audited. Eventually, he moved his family back to Britain, where one of his businesses found success, a travel agency with offices in Harrow, Muswell Hill, and London's West End. The 70s and early 80s were good to the Jablowskis, again, now the Conways, but eventually things took a bad turn. And by turn, I mean Alan Conway blew up his life. In the late 80s, Conway's travel business collapsed, Conway became an alcoholic and left his wife for his lover, a man who would later die of AIDS. Soon, Conway's wife also passed away, and Conway's young son, Martin, moved in with his father. Martin recounts that Conway was prone to violent temper tantrums and impulsive acts that, at best, didn't make sense, 
and at worst were downright cruel. Quote, he physically abused me and set his friends on me. Once one of them chased me in front of a car and I broke my kneecap. He terrorized me. Eventually, social services became involved, and at age 16, Martin was placed in a children's home. But before he left for the home, Martin remembers a particularly strange detail about his father. Quote, he used to answer the phone in this terrible American accent. And his friends used to call him Stanley. That's right. In the early 1990s, Eddie Allen Jablowski, now Allen Eddie Conway, had convinced his friends that he was iconic filmmaker Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick was born on July 26, 1928, just six years before Conway. But of course, his life was different from the get-go. Kubrick was born in the Bronx and got his start as a photographer. After working at Look Magazine in the 40s and 50s, he began making short films, parlaying those films into features like The Killing, Paths of Glory, and Spartacus. But his canonical films were to come, with the classic Dr. Strangelove, Lolita, 2001 A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, The Shining, Full Metal Jacket, all creating a sensation and characterizing Kubrick's artistic modalities and powerful messages about war, love, technology, and humanity. Okay, I don't have to go on too much more on Kubrick. I'm sure most of you are familiar with him, but he would make his last film, Eyes Wide Shut, at the end of the 90s. It would be released in 1999. But before that, Kubrick was notoriously reclusive and mysterious, shying away from media attention or public spaces for most of the 80s and the 90s. And that's where Alan Eddie Conway came in. At some point, Conway realized he could pass as Stanley Kubrick for a couple of reasons. One, of course, Kubrick wasn't around to call him out, though he did live in London at the time, but he, again, never made public appearances. Two, he was similar in age and build. Three, since the late 1960s, Kubrick is known to have a messy head of hair and a full beard. I'm sure you've seen photos. But Conway was clean-shaven, which put less pressure on him to look just like Kubrick, and allowed Conway's impersonation to appear a bit more legitimate. That being said, I want to emphasize that this wasn't about fandom. No, Conway really didn't know much about Stanley Kubrick, and he had only seen a couple of his films as a whole. This was something a little bit more complicated. So Conway started introducing himself as Stanley Kubrick, but what he lacked in knowledge about the famed director he made up for in charisma, confidence, and alcohol. With Kubrick not being very social or public-facing, Conway's Kubrick persona at first went unchallenged. The first official sighting of the, quote, other Kubrick was by a graphic designer who eventually called Warner Brothers, saying he hung out with Kubrick regularly at a fashionable Kensington wine bar, after which Kubrick used to take him to his home in the down-and-out suburb of Harrow. The designer said the rendezvous eventually stopped and left him wondering, was this really Kubrick? Still curious, he called the studio to get the truth. He was not happy when he did. The studio had no idea what he was talking about, of course, and the poor designer realized his hookup was not who he said he was. At one point, Conway ran into English singer and impressionist Joe Longthorne in Torquay, a kind of mid-grade tourist spot with a vibrant cabaret circuit. As an American, I'd equate it to Atlantic City or Myrtle Beach. During their conversation, Conway, of course, did his thing, convincing Longthorne that he was actually the famous director. Of course, at the time, Longthorne was a bigger star than Conway, who was not a star at all. But according to Longthorne's agent, the singer gave Conway the VIP treatment and thought the director was going to make him a star. Quote, Joe treated him like a king. He laid on a roller for him and put him up in a top hotel. The guy told Joe he was going to put him in his next film. 
I'm not sure why Longthorn thought Kubrick would be hanging out in Great Britain's equivalent of Myrtle Beach, but who knows. Conway's sponsored trip to Torquay ended a week later when Longthorn was told by Warner Brothers executives that Stanley Kubrick at the time was nowhere close to Torquay. But that was just the beginning, as Conway continued to use his charm to convince people that he was Kubrick, promising them, in his bad American accent, roles in films, exclusive interviews, and more, convincing them to pay his way on all kinds of things, confidently telling them that the studio would reimburse them. The most notable celebrity-ish encounter of Conway acting as Kubrick was on Frank Rich, a ruthless New York Times theater critic known by many as the Butcher of Broadway. Rich and his friends invited a drunk Conway to join them at their table in Joe Allen's restaurant, a classic New York Broadway hang. Rich and his friends were excited to talk to the man they thought was Kubrick, of course, maybe even get an interview. So they invited Conway over, who was himself there partying with a couple young men. Rich and his friends were so convinced that Conway was Kubrick that they didn't seem to think it was weird that the three times married two women, Kubrick, started flirting with his entourage and talking about his male conquests. They just accepted that Kubrick was gay. Quote, everyone always thought Hal the computer acted like a jealous gay lover, Rich would say. Uh, in my opinion, that's a stretch, but okay. Rich would later go on to write in the New York Times, quote, what did this con artist want from us? He asked us for nothing, not even our phone numbers, to bilk on some future occasion. Though he himself asked for nothing, Conway did promise Rich an interview, and so Rich called Warner Brothers to set it up. He was pretty disappointed to learn, I'm sure you know where this is going, from a Warner Brothers executive that his new friend, famed director Stanley Kubrick, wasn't Stanley Kubrick at all. But even a hard and fast no from Warner Brothers didn't convince one of Rich's friends that Conway wasn't Kubrick. That person went on to contact Kubrick's lawyer, where he again was told that Kubrick had a full beard and was not there that night. So now reports of Kubrick sightings have been happening for about two years, and the Warner Brothers execs know something is up. And so does Kubrick's lawyer. So you know it's bound to get to Kubrick himself. And it does. And Kubrick's reaction? Complete fascination. Amusement, even. But Kubrick's wife, Christiane, didn't think it was as fun. She would say in a later interview, quote, It was an absolute nightmare. This strange doppelganger who was pretending to be Stanley. Can you imagine the horror? I'd imagine it was probably flattering, I guess, if not incredibly unnerving. But hey, while Conway clearly can, I can't really speak for Kubrick, and Kubrick didn't really speak for Kubrick. Eventually, the Conway con would be revealed, in a very strange and very public way. But first, a break. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I want to hear curious moments from history while also lowering your stress. 
Then try the new podcast, Calm History. Each episode is narrated in a calm voice to help you relax or fall asleep. While at the same time, you'll be learning about famous explorers, inventors, athletes, leaders, victories, and history. There's even a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History, or use the link calmhistory.com in the episode notes. Hi, hello, how are you? How are you doing? You doing okay? How's it going out there? Well? You uh, staying cool? Staying cool? It's yeah, it's hot here. Hot as hell. Yeah. Hotter than hell. Yeah, it's hotter hell. than hell. We've been to hell. And back. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, a trip. Well, you mean you've been oh, you've been out and about? Yes, I've been out and about in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where it's not as hot as here. Just hanging out, just getting back to my Midwestern roots. You know, you guys all love to hear about it. And I was just holding it down in LA because mm-hmm. uh I don't know. Brand loyalty, I guess. Yeah, someone's got to be brave enough to do it. We want to say hello to anyone who's listening, supporting us, spreading the good word of Ghost Town. Hello. We appreciate it. We love it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll get you through the heat, baby. We hope you're well. And we love our government, no matter where we are. No matter where. Or who or when or why. Or what. Or why, yeah. (laughs) And definitely why. (laughs) We want to say hello to our mayors. The... Inspiration for the film Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> Let me try to be careful with these. Yeah, be a little careful. What's well, a full? The jacket's full metal, not it's, part metal. No, no, it's full. It's 100% full. Metal. No half. No, there's no. no half. You know what I mean? It's full no. on metal. That's Casey Weber. Hello. Little Barry Lyndon. A little four and a half hour movie (laughs) (laughs) long slow paced great acting though good costumes great costumes very cool and regal and very cool "Mm," you know what i mean yeah it's like it's like charlie gilbert Hmm. hello and and uh a little fun romp with a clockwork orange (laughs) just that fun (laughs) kind of dystopian yeah you're going to the milk bar yeah it's like you want some eggy wags (laughs) Exactly. Hyper-violence. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Let's catch Ozell. And a little Dr. Strangelove, mm-hmm. or or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and I Love. Love the bomb. The bomb. Things that are the bomb are good. It's like, oh, that's the bomb, yo. That's what they're always saying. Oh, that's saying. You know who's always saying that? Who? Kelly Meehan. Oh, hi. And... Who doesn't love hotels? Who doesn't live a nice stay in a big luxury hotel? All on your lonesome. What could go just, wrong? Just getting some writing done, <laughs> hanging with the fam, a little shining for Ashley Matson. Hello. And our governor. Mm. A film so epic, and if you're familiar with the film, oh. and kind of how it evolves to another level. Uh-oh. I think it's the Star Child. It's been a while since yeah. I've seen it or been interested in <laughs> visiting it. <laughs> I just don't know. I think you don't that, know. That, maybe even in the '90s, I was more interested in kind of. I think we were all a little more interested in the yeah. '90s. But that would be the film 2001: A, a Space, Space Odyssey. Odyssey, and our governor. Avian Noble. Noble. You want no ads, no chit-chat, bonus episodes, just the good stuff. Seven-day free trial. Come, support us, leave after seven days. Get out of there. Yeah, or Or stay. Or stay, yeah. (laughs) I mean, whatever you want, baby. Head on over to patreon.com slash ghost town pod. 
Also, if you're looking to listen to us on another podcast player, we are on Podorama. Oh. P-O-D-U-R-A-M-A dot com. Really cool interface. It's just a great way to discover also new podcasts. Yeah. Not that we don't always want you listening to Ghost Town, but it's a it's a great player and it's a great way to also find similar shows. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I, I like what else? What else is out there? Yeah, uh, Podorama does a really great job in their algorithm in, in suggesting things pretty accurately. I think so. It's in the episode notes, but head on over to Podorama.com. It sounds intriguing. Do you know what else sounds intriguing? A fake Stanley Kubrick? (laughs) Hanging out with a fake, drunk, gay Stanley Kubrick? I can't think of anything better. Let's get back into it. As the years went by, Conway refused, or perhaps later was flat out unable, to distinguish his own life from his constructed, much more glamorous life as Stanley Kubrick. As Kubrick, Conway had more obligations. He was important. He had to travel to New York and Brazil and had meetings with all kinds of important people. When his now adult son Martin would call out the legitimacy of these trips and meetings, he would accuse his son of lying. In 1995, Conway checked into rehab for alcoholism, fully embracing the tenets of Alcoholics Anonymous. In April 1996, Conway's many lives collapsed in on one another when Vanity Fair ran an article called Being Kubrick, formally outing Conway as a Kubrick imposter. Quote, he had the perfect name for a con man. But the strange thing about this article, which is an okay read if you're curious, it is online, the link will be in our show notes, is not Conway's story, but the odd way the writer threw Kubrick under the bus. To compare Conway to Kubrick, the article also outed the director as being almost as strange as his doppelganger, saying, quote, he lives in near monastic retreat and has not attended the premiere of any of his films since 2001 back in 1968. According to Premier, while the director was making his most recent film, Full Metal Jacket, former CAA super agent Mike Ovitz and the president of Warner Brothers, Terry Semmel, had to fly to London to read the script because Kubrick himself does not fly and would not send them a copy. This behavior has earned him a reputation as being only slightly saner than Howard Hughes. That's an accusation and also seems to be beside the point, but okay. So how did the Vanity Fair article get the scoop on Conway? Well, that was also due in large part to Kubrick. Kubrick's personal assistant, Anthony Freewin, made it his mission to track down his boss's impersonator and shared that information with Vanity Fair. Not to let the Vanity Fair article slow down his momentum, however, Conway went on to admit his deception on national television, national British television, in a British series called The Lying Game. I really did believe I was Stanley Kubrick, Conway admitted on the show. Quote, I could have carried on till the day I died. Oddly enough, Conway died of a heart attack on December 5th, 1998, just three months before Stanley Kubrick also died of a heart attack on March 7th, 1999. When he died, Conway's 23-year-old son Martin was living with him and going to law school, but was away during the actual time of his father's death. In his will, Conway left 30,000 pounds to a former friend, 5,000 pounds to another man, and the rest of his money to his son. The only problem was that Conway didn't have any money, and the 30,000 pounds was actually still owed to that friend that he willed it to, which is a kind of fuck you to everyone mentioned, but especially that friend. Along with that debt was thousands of dollars of unpaid bills in different names from Amex, Barclay Card, and other companies, and an outstanding phone bill for 879 pounds, primarily from calling gay chat lines. Remember Anthony Freewin, Kubrick's assistant? His work tracking down Conway would serve as the basis for his 2005 film, Color Me Kubrick, 
based on Conway's story, with John Malkovich starring as Conway himself. Freewin now writes novels in addition to representing the Stanley Kubrick estate. But back to London for just a moment. A short while after Conway and Kubrick died, Martin, who still lived in the little apartment he shared with his father, heard an old answering machine message. Hi, Stanley, it said in a threatening voice. I'm going to get you this time. I'm going to get you. Martin had no idea who this voice was, and he never inquired further. The truth of the matter is, it's really unclear in this whole story who actually, quote, got who. Was it Kubrick, Freewin, Conway, or maybe the public at large, happy to be in the presence of fame and talent, or, you know, the next best thing? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.